You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. I guess I didn't introduce myself when I was up earlier. My name's Sam, if you're new with us today, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, so good to be with you, to get to open scripture together and see what the Lord might want to share with us uh, this morning. We're going to get into scripture pretty quickly, so if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to uh, Psalm chapter 22. Psalm 22. And uh, as Ryan mentioned a few moments ago, we have been in a a series on prayer over this last number of weeks, uh, kind of since the start of the year. And we've looked at all different aspects of prayer. We talked about listening to God. We talked about uh, talking to God. We looked at experiencing God and kind of the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. We, uh, we looked at fasting last week and how that adds fuel to our prayer life. And then uh, we're going to end today, we're going to end on a bit of an awkward note. <laughs> and we're going to talk about unanswered prayer. And so what do we do when it just feels like God is not listening to us? And uh, I've asked my friend Jonathan Toast to come up and to read the scripture for us this morning. And so uh, come on up, Jonathan. And before you, you read... Um, Jonathan, a wrestle with, with unanswered prayer has been a big part of your journey, okay? And uh, I'm wondering, could you just fill us in a little bit on, on what that's looked like over the last kind of seven years or so? Yeah, so about seven years ago, I started having really severe, debilitating stomach pain. Um, and, and it was severe enough that a lot of nights I was only sleeping a couple hours a night because I was up with pain and, and really impacting every area of my life. And I thought, you know, this is just something I'll get through, you know, six weeks, a month out, um, I'll see some doctors and, and we'll work through it. But that hasn't been the case. It's been seven years of experiencing this pain. And so it, it hits me in the little things of life. Um, last week I canceled on a friend to hang out and uh, I look back through my texts and I'm like, this is the fourth time in a row I've canceled on them. And that's really hard. It made me feel really awkward, but it's, it's frustrating and discouraging. And um, it's impacted some of the bigger things in life too. Um, you know, several years ago, I ended up dropping out of university, and, and I've been off and on with disability at work, and it's hard to see, you know, friends and, and other people around me really flourishing in their career and their, and their lives, and, yeah. and wondering, like, God, why, why have you made me this way? Why am I struggling? Why can't I do those things? Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, it's not, it's not as a result of not praying, right? You've been praying, many of us around you, those who love you, our church family have been praying and crying out to God and asking him to heal. And we have yet to receive the answer to those prayers. And so I wonder, like, what's that been like for you in your journey of following Jesus? Because I, I know you well, and I've gotten to see you through a lot of these years up close. And, and I know you to be someone who is deeply committed to Jesus and deeply committed to your faith, but that can't be easy. So what, what's that been like? Yeah, the, the main thing I can say is it's hard. It, it honestly yeah. is hard and, and frustrating and discouraging. Mm. I have days where I just cry out to God, like, what do you want from me in this season? What are, what are you doing here? And I can feel so lost and abandoned in those moments. But at the same time, there, there's some encouraging aspects too. Mm. Um, every day I wake up and I just have so much pain and, and I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do the day. And so I, I turn to God and I say, God, I just, I need your help today. And I do that every day, and, and it's humbling. It's humbling to come before God and say, like, I can't do this on my own. I've always, you know, considered myself to be someone pretty self-sufficient. I don't need other people's right, help. And right. So I'd have to come to God every day and say, I need you. It's humbling, but it's produced this level of intimacy and friendship with him. 
Um, I've gotten to know his love for me and the pain and the struggle that I don't know if I would have experienced had, had I been answered in that prayer, had I been healed right away. And this isn't to say I, I you know, want to be in this place of no. sickness. Every day I hope and, and pray that I'll be healed. But in this, in this season of, of not having my prayers answered, I think I've really gotten to know yeah. God as a father to me. And so, so it's a mixed bag. It's, um, you know, uh, days where I feel encouraged and uplifted by a God who identifies with me and, and days where I just feel so frustrated and discouraged. Wow. Um, but one thing I do know is that um, in the mess of it all, that God really wants to be there with me. He wants to journey with me and care for me even when my prayers for healing aren't answered. Wow. Dude, I just so appreciate you being willing to share. This is not the moments of life that are fun to share, especially in front of a group of people like this. And so I really appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty. And uh, I can honestly say, as I've watched you and journeyed beside you, that I've been so stirred and challenged and encouraged in my faith, seeing you go through all of these storms that you've encountered, yet clinging to Jesus in the midst of it. And so admire that about you. Okay, well, why don't we read this scripture together? Would you stand with us for the reading of Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as a holy one. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. My bull, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword my precious life from the power of dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Jonathan. You can take a seat. <clears throat> Have you ever felt that way before? Have you felt some of those things that was described in that Psalm of David that was just read for us? Eugene Peterson um, is a great Bible teacher and scholar. He paraphrased uh, the, the, all of the scripture. It's called the message version. Maybe you've read it before. But I like the way that he, he paraphrased those words from Psalm 22. Those first few verses, he said, God, my God, why do you dump me miles from nowhere? 
double up with pain. I called to God all day long, no answer, nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. Really appreciate David's honesty in that psalm. Because if you've been a Christian for more than a minute, my, my guess is that you have, you've experienced at least some of those emotions and felt those things before, before God before. Like I called to you all day long. I keep asking and there's nothing. My first memory with unanswered prayer is from when I was, was really little. And uh, my parents' relationship was rocky at best for most of my childhood, lots of conflict. And I remember as a little kid just crying out to God that, that he would save my parents' marriage, like asking him to make my parents love each other again, begging him not to let my family split up. And I, I remember believing that he could and that he would, like I really thought he was gonna answer my prayer. And as the years went on, our home life actually got worse and conflict got bigger and I continued to pray and pray. And when I was 14, I remember I was at summer camp for that entire summer, and uh, I called home one August Saturday afternoon to find out that one of my greatest fears had come to pass. My parents had decided to separate and divorce, and my dad had moved into a little apartment just down, down the street in the neighboring community. And I remember the pain that I felt in that moment like it was yesterday. I remember feeling like, God, where are you? Like, I've been, I've been asking, do you even care about my family? And that's only my first experience with unanswered prayer. If you trace the, the prayers of my life all throughout my, my life, you'll find that there were moments where God absolutely came through and answered my prayers in some of the greatest and most profound, like in, in ways that were even greater than I could have ever asked. And there were other moments where I was left just asking, Why? Asking, where are you in the midst of this pain and this sorrow that I'm feeling? Are you even listening? Or I'd imagine you have experienced some of the, the, the things that were shared in Psalm 22, feeling alone and forgotten and confused and just not sure why there's the silence that you seem to be experiencing. How do we make sense of those moments in life? Like, we know that God does answer prayer. Gosh, even in the life of our church, last week was this massive celebration in here as we, as we celebrated the answer of our prayers. And John Hawes is back leading us in worship so much sooner than we ever thought that he would. And, and God, God heard our prayer and he moved and did the impossible. John is back leading us in worship. That is a gift. God answers prayers. There's moments where we see God move and heal in power so clearly in our world and in our lives. But here's the challenge. I would imagine that everyone in this room knows someone whose story is so much different than John's. Maybe the celebration of John's recovery last weekend actually made you reflect on your own story or on the story of a loved one and, and you were left questioning, why not them? Why not me, God? Like, why does God seem so quick to answer some prayers while leaving another prayer devastatingly unanswered? Why hasn't God healed Jonathan Toes? We've been praying for him with the same zeal that we prayed for John Hawes. And yet most days he's still in excruciating pain. 
And how do we make sense of our own experiences with unanswered prayer? Especially in light of Jesus' own words in John chapter 14 that we can ask anything in his name and he will do it. Anything, Jesus? Really? Maybe you say, because I've been asking and asking for the healing of a loved one. Or I've been praying for a baby. Or I've been asking God to provide us some better housing or a new job. I've been, whatever the case might be, and so far... There's nothing. And so where is God in the midst of unanswered prayer? In the past, I've heard some really simplistic answers to that question. Maybe you have too. I've heard people say that God answers all of our prayers in one of three ways. He either says yes, he says no, or he says not yet. And I found that that satisfied my, my questions when I was in my younger years. But as I've grown older, and, and as I've even grown in my faith, I, I'm just not sure it's that simple. And as much as I would love to get up here and, and to share a neat and tidy way of understanding unanswered prayer, there's no easy way to answer these questions, especially ones about sickness and disease and pain and tragedy. That being said, while there's no easy answers, that doesn't mean that there's no answers. Unanswered prayer is something that followers of Jesus have been wrestling with since the very beginning, since, the, since Jesus ascended into heaven, the beginning of the church. And so what I want to try to do in this next few moments that we have together is share some thoughts on, on how we can make sense of these moments of unanswered prayer, or maybe to, to share some things to consider in the midst of seasons of waiting or silence. I read a few um, different books over this last few weeks in preparation for this talk that have been super helpful to me, and so I just wanted to share a couple of them, recommend them to you, especially if you're in a season right now of unanswered prayer and grief. Um, the first one is this book by Jerry Sitzer, and uh, it's called When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer. And Jerry Sitzer is a professor of theology, and uh, he also experienced uh, the death of his wife, daughter, and mother in a tragic car accident. And so he was left just asking, God, where are you in the midst of my sorrow? So he, he writes really honestly and vulnerably in this book about his, his, his walking through of unanswered prayer. And then there's this other book by Pete Gregg. It's called God on Mute. And I can't recommend this book more highly. We actually have some copies for sale in the Info Center. If you wanted to grab one, you can get it on Amazon. Um, but in this book, Pete Gregg offers 15 reasons why, from the Bible, 15 reasons why we often wrestle with unanswered prayer. And so I want to share some of those with you. I'm not going to share all 15. <laughs> if I were to share everything I want to share with you today on this topic, we would be here for the better part of a day. But I want to share 10 reasons, 10 possible reasons why we experience unanswered prayer in our lives. And let me be clear, this is not a comprehensive list, okay? This isn't everything there is to know about unanswered prayer. But I do want to share some things that I think are at play when God doesn't answer our prayer the way that we think that he should. We'll start with some easier ones, and then we'll move into some that are more challenging. Sound okay? Okay. Why are some prayers left unanswered? The first reason is, uh, is common sense. And I put that last part in quotes because I don't want you to think that's me saying that. I would never say anything so crass. These are Pete Gregg's words. <laughs> but some prayers aren't answered because they are just plain stupid. Let me give you some examples of these, these, these ones that defy common sense. There are two, pe two kinds of people in the world. There are those who keep their gas tanks full, 
And there are those who like to live on the edge. And by live on the edge, I mean you don't fill up gas until you're literally running on fumes, okay? Let's do a quick, quick poll. Who here keeps their gas tank or your car battery if you're an electric car kind of person? Who keeps it at like 50% or above all the time? Well, there's more of you than I thought. You're much better people than me. Who, who likes to live on the edge a little bit more and like goes right till you're driving on fumes? Yeah, sadly me too. Um, I grew up in southwestern Ontario and, uh, and there's, there's a ton of farmland in southwestern Ontario. And so there's some stretches between towns where it could be like 25, 30, 50 kilometers between towns but also between gas stations. And I remember as a 16 or 17-year-old kid, I was, I was borrowing my mom's car, and I was driving myself and some friends to some place, and uh, I left town with way less gas than I needed to get to where I was going. And, uh, and, and as I was driving, I, I realized that I was in the red and then moving even below the red, and so I started to pray, and I started to pray, God, would you please send a gas station? Would you please send a gas station? And I knew those roads well. I knew there were no gas stations. Like, what did I expect? God to just drop a gas station in the middle of a cornfield and send angels to do the full serve. Like, um, the reality is that some prayers just defy common sense. And, uh, and, and, and here's the thing. Could God have answered that, that prayer? Yeah, sure. He, he's, he's all powerful. He could. But would he? I mean, probably not. I think it was actually really good for me as a 17-year-old kid to have to walk into town with a cherry can and fill up gas and bring it back to my car. There's probably some lessons there for me to learn. All that to say, some prayers defy common sense. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray those simple prayers. Bring all of our... I still pray for gas stations. (laughs) But if I'm honest, I've yet to see one fall from heaven. Second... Some prayers aren't answered because they contradict other prayers, because of contradiction. For example, let's imagine there's two Christians who are circling the parking lot at Coquitlam Center. They both go to CA Church. (laughs) They're both praying for a parking lot by the door. Who does God answer? Or today's the Super Bowl, as Ryan was saying. You know, there's, there's Christians who woke up this morning praying that the 49ers would win. There's other people who've been praying for weeks that the Chiefs would win. Does anyone care? I'd imagine the people who care aren't in this service. They're at home preparing for the Super Bowl. Um, But all of that to say, there are contradictions. Every summer, there are brides who are praying for sunshine while neighboring farmers are praying for rain. There are Westerners who are praying for the stock markets to recover while there are many around the world who are praying for a much more fair distribution of the world's wealth. And again, just because there's contradictions in prayer doesn't mean that we should stop praying for the small things in our lives. We should pray for the small things. At the very least, because we can. It's a real privilege to be heard by the God of the universe and to bring the things that are troubling us towards him. And it's natural for us to ask him for help. Conversation is the mark of any strong relationship, especially conversation about trivial things. And sometimes... Sometimes God actually does answer these tiny, silly prayers in a supernatural way. Okay, next up. Number three, the laws of nature. Some prayers aren't answered because they would would be detrimental to the world and to the lives of others. Here's what I mean. God established certain governing principles that make life work on earth. Things like gravity and the weather system. 
And if, doc, if, if God did miracles all the time, like continued to interfere with governing principles of life on earth to, to, to move on behalf of every single one of our prayers, the effects would actually be devastating. Like one person's miracle would create misery for millions of others. And so miracles are much rarer than we would like to think. For example, if every single storm was stopped before it hit land as we prayed, if all storms were stopped when people prayed, that would be, there would be massive implications on the earth, in part because storms are a big part of the earth's cooling system, keeping the climate and therefore the ecosystem delicately in balance. But all that to say, some prayers aren't answered because the laws of nature that God himself set in motion to make the world a beautiful and a stable place for billions of people, uh, is the, the laws of nature are at play. Fourthly, some prayers aren't answered because as Paul writes in Romans 8, creation is subject to frustration and the earth hasn't been fully liberated from its bondage and decay. In other words, life is tough. Like life can be so, so difficult at times. And Jesus himself promised that this would be the case. In John 16, he said, in this life you, you will have many troubles. Notice he doesn't say you might have troubles. He says you will have troubles but then he also promises, he says, take hope, take heart, because I have overcome the world. See, Jesus is pointing to the reality that we live in the midst of what theologians have referred to as the now and not yet. We live in the age that is in the age to come. And in our current age, it is filled with sin and disease and heartache and pain. But then there's also this age to come, this future age, or the new heavens and the new earth, as the book of Revelation talks about. A place of, of total healing and peace and unspeakable joy in the presence of God forever. And sometimes, as we're living in this age, we see glimpses of the age to come. It's like the age to come is dragged into the present, and we see glimpses of healing and restoration and miracles, heaven on earth. But we also very literally live in the age that is, one that is, is feeling the effects of the fall. Okay, number five. Some prayers aren't answered because God has something even better for us. I would imagine there's many in this room who've experienced this before, where you're praying and you're praying and you're praying for something, and then you look back years later and you're like, God, thank you so much for not answering my prayers. Um, I shared this before, I think, but, um, but in my first year of Bible college, I, I, was, I was infatuated by this one girl. And I would, I would pray and pray, like, God, please make her like me. Lord, please, just do, I'll do anything for you. Just, just make this girl like me. Please let me marry this girl. And now on the other 15 years later, on the other side of meeting Jorley and our life together and our children and all the rest of it, I'm like, God, thank you so much for not answering that prayer. Like, you know so much better than 19-year-old Sam needed about not only what I needed, but actually what I would deeply want and desire. And that's a silly example. But I think you know what I'm saying. Number six. Some prayers, even spiritual-sounding ones, aren't answered because at their core, they're selfishly motivated. Let's talk about our motives for a second. And they may be prayers for good things, but because of where our hearts are, are at as we pray, receiving an answer to those prayers might actually be really bad for us or for the people around us. James, one of the biblical authors, he writes about this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you, what you get on your pleasures. 
You know, sometimes what we pray for is good and beautiful and right and so in line with the heart of God. But I think sometimes God doesn't answer those prayers because of what that answer might do to us. Here's an example. Before coming to serve here at CA Church, uh, I used to play in a band. And, uh, and we had written some, some songs, and, and we were, we were, all of our friends were pretty excited about our music, okay? Uh, so we were writing music and releasing music and all the rest of it, and we had high hopes, like dreams about what our music career was going to look like. And uh, there was something, if, if anyone used to listen or still listens to the peak, per, the, the peak Radio, they used to have this thing called the Peak Performance Project, which is a glorified battle of the bands. But the winners would get like $100,000, and we're still like, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to get into this battle of the bands. We're going to win it. And we felt so excited. We were, we were so sure that we had this one in the bag. And I remember the day that they were going to announce the, the, the ones who made it into the finals of this round. Up until that point, I was so sure. I was like, we have this. And, and, uh, and then that morning, I woke up, and I, I, I sensed that the Lord was saying, you're not going to get in. And I was like, but Why? Like, we want to be a light for you, Jesus, in this dark world. Our music's going to make you famous. And, and, uh, and, and then I was like, if, if it's a character thing, like, we have eight hours to work this out before they announce it tonight. <laughs> but, but, but we didn't make it in. And I really, I really believe, I, I sense that, that God was actually saving me from myself, that that would have actually been so dangerous for me. There was so much pride that was harboring in my life. And if I had made it, and I'd made this next milestone, and these things, and I was so sure that it was for the best reasons, but God was saving me from myself. Number seven, free will. Some prayers aren't answered because God won't force a person to do something that they don't want to do. See, a lot of our prayers, a lot of my prayers, are for God to override another person's will. Think about the prayers that we pray for a wandering loved one. I think about the prayers that I pray for my little brother who is far from God, and, and I pray that he would return back to his faith. And it's not bad to pray those things. We should pray for those who are, who are wandering to come home. And I absolutely believe that as we pray that God is working in the midst of their life and, and, and for the people that we're praying for. But God will very rarely, if ever, override your will or mine. How come? Because God is love. And love requires freedom of choice. See, it's, it's not that God can't override human will. Of course he can. He's sovereign. He's in control of all things. Listen, no matter where you, you find yourself on the argument around the sovereignty of God and how human will fits in the midst of all of that, what is absolutely clear in Scripture is that the kingdom of God is not a dictatorship. Satan is the one that controls and manipulates and, and dominates with force. God is the one who influences, you could say, who romances, who woos us and invites us into relationship with him. And so I think some prayers remain unanswered because God has given human, human beings the, the ability to choose, free will. And sometimes we do not make the best decisions. That leads us to the eighth possibility for unanswered prayer, and that's sin. Some prayers aren't answered because of areas of disobedience, even in our own lives. Now, I think we have to be very careful with this one. 
because I've seen this answer abused within the church. And it is never our place to make claims about why, you know, reasons why this person's experiencing this or that in their life or in the midst of their current situation or calling out that it's because of sin in your life or all the rest of it. I have a friend who was going through a really big health challenge a few years ago. And some self-proclaimed prophet said that the reason he was sick was because of unanswered or unconfessed sin in his life. And that friend was so distraught because he was really trying to live a life that honored God. And so it put this burden on him, and it robbed him of experiencing God's grace in the midst of our imperfections. It is never our place to, to judge other people's motives and to, to throw away blanket statements about why they're in their current situation. But as we look at our own hearts, we do want to continually bring our faults before the Lord and say, search me, God, and know my heart. See if there is any unclean thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. James, one of the biblical authors, he wrote it like this. He said, confess your sin one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There's this link between the confession of sin and healing of whatever kind. In 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter's talking to the husbands in this one. He's talking to husbands and he says, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Apparently, there's a connection between the way that we treat other people, the way that a husband treats and cares and honors his wife, and the impact of our prayers. So let's keep short accounts with God and regularly confess our sins to him and to one another. Coming to a loving father, as we talked about a few weeks ago with the prodigal son, coming to a loving father who, when we confess our sins to him, embraces us with open arms. Okay, another thing that's at play in the midst of unanswered prayer is spiritual warfare. Some prayers aren't answered because God, God's will is being directly contested by the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. That's Ephesians 6.12. See, the Bible is chocked full of talk about the spiritual realm. And we're going to do an entire class on this on Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday, February 27th. We're going to look at angels and demons and spiritual warfare. So I'm not going to say too, too much on that this morning. But I do want to say that there is so much more going on around us than, than meets the eye. That there is a very real spiritual battle that's going on in the unseen world. And that, that's not something that should make us fearful or scared. As Christians, we can rest in the fact that Jesus has won the war. That the end of the story is secure. Jesus is king. And we as his followers are on the winning team. But in the meantime... There are forces of evil that are at play all around us, and that reality does have implications on our prayers. And then number 10 is faith. Some prayers aren't answered because, well, maybe we actually don't believe that they will be answered. The Bible has a ton to say about faith. Jesus himself, all throughout the gospel accounts, talks about the importance of faith. And when I say faith, I'm not talking about it in a, in a prosperity gospel kind of way, like name it and claim it kind of stuff. But in scripture, there does seem to be a lot of importance around our faith and how that moves the heart of God, the hand of God. Now again, when I say faith, let me define that. What I'm simply talking about is taking God at his word. Saying, God, you said this, and I believe it. Like, God, I actually believe that you are good and faithful and that you want to heal and that you want to restore and that you want to move in power. You know, I've, I've found in my own life, and, and I've seen this in the lives of people around us, that, that we sometimes start our prayers with a list of disclaimers. 
Like sometimes we go into prayer for someone else and we say, okay, God, before we, before we pray, we just want to say your will be done. And if you don't want to heal this person right now, you don't have to. And we trust that you will heal in your time and that this person will receive healing in the age to come. And so bless them, we pray. Sometimes we don't even get to the ask and ask him to come through. And, to, and I love that heart posture of submission to God and trust in him. But at the same time, I would say, where's the faith? That God actually can and wants to heal. And as we spent the last 25 minutes talking about together, there, there's all sorts of things that are at play in, 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 in why God sometimes doesn't move when we cry out to him in prayer. But we can be confident that God is a good father who desires good things for his children. And he invites us to ask him for whatever we need. And when we ask, he says we can ask with boldness. Okay, maybe I'll give you one more. Let's, let's do a bonus 11th. It's not in the slides. Some prayers, some prayers require perseverance. You know, some prayers just haven't been answered yet. And whether your prayers are being resisted by mysterious spiritual forces or by stubborn people and their free will or whatever the case might be, just don't give up. Keep after it. Jesus tells this parable about a persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 who keeps coming back and keeps coming back to the judge. This widow just keeps returning and returning and asking and asking. She just won't stop. And so she gets what she asked for. And I wonder what would happen if we were determined to be that kind of people who kept stepping out in faith, who kept asking even in the, the seemingly unanswering of our prayers. And even though we don't understand why our prayer hasn't been answered yet, continuing to ask, like just continuing to take God at his word, continuing to persevere, and then trusting him with the outcome. As we begin to wrap up, I just want to say this. I think it's one thing to understand unanswered prayer cognitively, like we've talked about some of the things that are at play in the midst of unanswered prayer, and I hope that's helpful to you. But I recognize it's, it's one thing to understand some of what's at play, and it's a whole other thing to experience it. And regardless of what's going on in the background, be it free will or motivation or spiritual warfare and all the rest of it, knowing those things are not, unanswered prayer is still painful. Like it still hurts. And so I want to end where we started with Psalm 22. See, the words of David the psalmist that were just read for us at the start, those words that he wrote are the same words that, that Jesus would later say as he was up on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And next week, we're, we're gonna launch into a series diving much deeper into these words, these final words from Jesus on the cross as we prepare our hearts for Easter. But these feelings of abandonment and anguish that David felt and encountered in unanswered prayer, Jesus himself felt those same things. These feelings of abandonment and anguish that David felt and encountered, Jesus himself felt those same things. Like, did you know that Jesus himself experienced unanswered prayer? As he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and begging the Father, like, take this cup from me. Yet not your will, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, Jesus was saying, don't make me go through with this. Like, is there another way? 
Is there another way to do this other than the cross? And yet he submitted to the will of the Father and the cross still came. Here's why I bring this up in our conversation about unanswered prayer. Because we serve a God who doesn't only understand our pain and who doesn't only understand even the challenges with unanswered prayer, but a God who experienced it. He experienced it. He knows what it's like to be in intense physical pain. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend who should have had his back. Jesus experienced these feelings of abandonment as he cried out and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that same Jesus who hung up on the cross, he promises that in the midst of our suffering, that he will never leave us or forsake us that he cares so, so deeply about what it is that you're walking through. My encouragement to you this morning, if you're in a season of experiencing unanswered prayer, is don't let that silence drive you away. Like, hold tight to a God who promises to be close to the brokenhearted. He loves you. He loves you so, so deeply. There's this great scene in uh, one of the Narnia novels by C.S. Lewis, The the Magician's Nephew. And in that novel, um, Diggory, the main character, approaches Aslan, and he approaches him with a question. Diggory's mother is dying of this incurable disease. And so when the little boy finally, or finds himself accidentally in this magic world called Narnia, he approaches Aslan, and, and, and he asks him if he could provide a cure for his mom, something like a magical fruit or something that he could take back to his world and give to his mom so that she'd be made well. And so Diggory very nervously waited for the right moment, and at a certain point, he finally worked up the courage to ask. And so he went to Aslan with a lump in his throat and tears in his eyes, and he blurted out his request, would you, would you give me something from my mother? And what he received from the lion was silence. I want to read an excerpt from the book. Remember, Diggory has made his request and is, and is waiting in this moment. He's hoping, he's praying that Aslan will grant him his request. And so after this unbearable long silence, Diggory says these words, but please, please won't you? Can't you give me something to cure mother? And C.S. Lewis writes these words. He says, up till this point, he had been looking at the lion's great feet and huge claws on them. Now in his despair, he looked up at his face. What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the tawny face was bent down near his own, and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared to Diggory's own that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than even he was. So if you're walking through unanswered prayer in some area of your life today, I just, I want you to know that Jesus sees you and he cares. And I know that if you could look into his face right now, that like Diggory, you would see eyes that are filled with compassion, eyes that are welled up with tears. Our God is a God who weeps with the brokenhearted who cried at the funeral of his friend Lazarus because this is not the way it was meant to be. And so if you heard nothing else today, 
I pray that you leave this place knowing that Jesus cares for you. And while I can't promise you that your suffering is gonna go away on the side of eternity, I can promise you this, that for those of you, those of us who are in Christ, there is a future hope. There is a hope on the horizon. There's a day coming where everything that's wrong with the world will become untrue. Where pain and sorrow and disease and suffering will be eradicated once and for all. Jesus is making all things new. Why don't we take a moment to pray together? Well, Lord Jesus, I just pray in this moment for those in this room who are in the midst of a wrestle and struggle with unanswered prayer. Those who have been crying out and have been asking and are yet to receive an answer to those, those questions, those requests. God, I just pray that your peace that surpasses all understanding would rest on us today, especially those who are suffering. God, we admit that we don't understand it all. <laughs> we don't understand what's going on sometimes, but we trust that you are with us, that you will sustain us. And so I just pray that you would be so close to the brokenhearted. And I thank you for that future promise, that promise of hope, the age to come, where you are making all things new. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.